Can I get an in the name of Jesus? Now an amen. All right, God bless you. You can be seated. Let me uh, uh, mention to you first, amen, and this is something that I believe wholeheartedly. The first thing that we need to understand if we are going to win the lost, if we are going to reach our neighbor, if we are going to just impact somebody that maybe we have that one-time moment of contact with them. How many know that you can come in contact with somebody just one time and you can impact their life? You may never see, amen, what they become in the kingdom or whenever they come to that, that full salvation and that full gospel experience. You may never see it with your own eyes. But do you know that you and I can come in contact with somebody just one time and that can change and alter the direction of their life amen I'm sitting here I don't even have this in my notes but I'm thinking about it uh, my wife and I when we were first married she was uh, temping I believe for an, for a company and she was working for a company where she began to witness to a man and began to talk to that man and he wasn't there very long amen so she just had a couple of, of, of contacts with him a couple of examples of living the life in front of him and telling him about Jesus or the gospel or the word or or just being a Christian in front of him amen I remember she didn't even tell me amen that this man had left her work but when he left she began to pray God send him to someone that will tell him the gospel the truth amen so that he will be saved and wouldn't you know it that and, and we she was working for a trucking business amen I was working building countertops in a warehouse praise the Lord that man began to work at my place of employment she didn't know it I didn't know it I began to teach him a Bible study on my lunch hour amen told her that I was teaching this man a Bible study and she said that's the man that I witnessed to at work and I prayed God send him somewhere that somebody will tell him the gospel why did I start there amen if we're going to win the lost if we're going to impact anybody anytime it's going to be because we are prayerful when we do it amen number one thing that I want to mention to you tonight is we have got to be prayerful about the things that we want to do amen if we just institute a lot of programs and processes and, and things that we will go through the motions amen we may be effective a little bit but if we do those things prayerfully first amen if we will get down on our knees and pray God I know that I don't have the words I know that I don't have the talent I know that I don't have the skill and you haven't put it within me to save anybody amen so I'm praying that somehow through me you use me to touch somebody's life amen we've got to do that prayerfully there's no talent in winning souls there's no skill in winning souls it's but by the grace of God and the anointing of the Holy Ghost in you and I can I get an amen so if we are not prayerful in our approach, I love what Sister uh, Jane Buford, I don't have this in my notes either, so this maybe I'm not even going to finish tonight, but, but I love what Sister Jane Buford said when she mentioned the word weapon, amen. She talked about a weapon, and she said that come from the Greek word that means something prepared, amen. Can I tell you that if you prepare to go out and win somebody, if you prepare to go out into battle, amen, if you do that in prayer, amen, if you will get down on your knees and prepare, prepare your heart and your mind and your life can I tell you that will become a weapon 
The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, folks, but they're mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. Can I tell you that you get that through prayer, amen? You don't get that through skill and talent and personality and charisma. You get that through prayer, amen, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, praise God. If you're going to touch somebody's life, it's going to be because you have been touching the throne already. Why do I mention prayer? Number one, because prayer is something that should be the first step that a Christian does in every Everything that they strive to do and to be. Can I get an amen on Wednesday night? All right. Prayer should be what we should do first, no matter what we are doing. And we should pray, listen to me, we should pray, and you guys have heard me say this before, that God would specifically make us sensitive to his spirit. Can I get an amen? God, make me sensitive. Let me hear your voice, amen. Let me be sensitive to the needs around me. Let me hear somebody talking and know, because I've already been in prayer, and know what needs to be said and know how they need to be treated, amen. I remember when uh, Brother James Littles was here, and he did our... our uh, What's that called? Consecration service at the beginning of the year. When he was here, he made a statement. He said, be sensitive to the needs that are in the room with you. How many remember him saying that? Be sensitive to the needs that are in the room with you. If we are going to be effective, if we're going to reach people, we have to pay attention to our surroundings. We have to pay attention to the people that are in the room with us. Now, Brother Hobson brought up four points, and I'm going to talk about those four points. Assess, offer, teach, amen, and we're going to finish with love. But I'm going to bring them, he brought them in attaining Bible studies and teaching Bible studies. I want to talk about them, what we do outside of these four walls, amen. What we do as Christians on an everyday basis, amen, to be sensitive to those needs that are around us, to be in prayer, amen. And his number, the number one thing that he mentioned was, number one, assess, praise God. We have got to recognize and be aware and assess our surroundings and our circumstances. Can I get an amen? Pay attention to where you are and what you're doing. Amen. You are there for two reasons, a natural reason and a spiritual reason. Everywhere that we end up, I wish that I could drive this home. You are not there on accident. Can I get an amen? A Christian does not live a life of accidents, amen, and coincidence. A Christian, amen, is everywhere that they are for a purpose. You say, but I'm in the hospital. There's a reason that you're there. God can use you and use you to influence. I, but my car is broke down on the side of the road. You, God can use you if you will be sensitive and you'll temper your, amen, and you'll, you'll moderate, if you will, your temper and your attitude and not just fold your arms and say, oh me, oh my, it's my bad day, amen. But if you'll open yourself up and say, you know what? I'm stranded on the side of the road, but God's about to do something in my life. God's about to send somebody my way. And whenever I get in the, in the cab of that tow truck or when somebody stops to help me, I, I'm just praying that God, you know that you can get in a situation like that where somebody's changing a tire for you and they could, and all of a sudden, and I know this as a minister, as a Christian every day, all of a sudden they are pouring out their heart and their life to you. How many ever experiences that? 
You could be in the grocery line and somebody starts telling you about mom has cancer or they lost a baby or they, they lost a house or they're bankrupt. And all of a sudden you say, you know what? I've been through that before. And if you're sensitive, like Brother Little's told us, if you've been prayerful before you get to the grocery store or the automotive or Home Depot, if you're sensitive in those moments, amen, you'll recognize I'm here for a purpose. I'm here because God put me here in this position. So just recognize you're surroundings and your circumstances that you're there yes for a natural reason because you got to get the tire changed or you got to get the oil changed but realize God has you there for a spiritual reason as well can I get an amen recognize and assess amen those that you are there with there is a why and there is a reason can I get an amen let me, let me, I want you to go with me. I, I believe that they're going to pull up these scriptures. Acts chapter 10. I want to show you an example, amen. And I want to show you in the word exactly what I'm talking about here. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 28. How many know the story? We're on Wednesday night here, so I'm just going to trust that most of you know the story of Peter and Cornelius and God laid down, lowered down the sheet and he told Peter, don't call anything unclean that I call clean. How many, can you just give me a Wednesday night wave if you're familiar with that story? Okay, good. Enough of you are. The rest of you that you are, just go home, read your Bible, and you can watch the video and get caught up. Amen. So Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 28. I want to show you what happens. And remember, I'm talking about assessing. I'm talking about recognizing your surroundings, the people that you're there with. Amen. Then he said to them, you know, because Peter, Peter has been called for by three men. They brought him to the house of Cornelius. Amen. And so Peter walks in the door. And the first thing that he does is he assesses his surroundings and his circumstances. Watch what Peter recognizes. He says to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I ask then, watch this, for what reason have you sent for me? Peter is trying to assess. He knows what God has told him. He knows what God has shown him. Peter's already been in prayer. Remember we talked about praying? Peter's already prayed about it. He's already heard from God. He already knows that when he gets there, he's going to be there for a purpose. Amen. But when he gets there, he doesn't just stop and, and just start blurting out the gospel. You know, Pastor, if we're in Bass Pro, we can't just walk up to somebody in the crankbaits and say, Hey, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Amen. We've got to assess our surroundings. We've got to be aware of our circumstances. We've got to be aware of who we're dealing with. We can't just start blurting stuff out to people. We live in an age, we're not, we're not, in, the, you know, we're not in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s anymore. This is 2017 where people need some, they need some approach. They need you to have a plan. They need you to come with a weapon. They need you to come prayerful. Amen. Because you're going to have to start assessing their, their life. You're going to have to start assessing who you're dealing with so Peter says for what have you sent for me Peter knew why he was there but he needed to know where was Cornelius's heart what was Cornelius expecting what was his experience he knew what people had told him about him but he needed to hear it from Cornelius where are you at Cornelius what is your position what's your heart what's your experience amen and so then Peter opened his mouth and you know uh, amen that 
that he preached the gospel to him and that he told him about Jesus. And you know the end story that as he was, as, as he was preaching, amen, all of Cornelius and his house, amen, were receiving his word and he was being sensitive to the spirit. And as he spoke those words, the Holy Ghost fell on each of them, amen. Look at verse 34. And Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality he recognized because God has now poured out his spirit and poured out his presence he recognized that God isn't a respecter of persons that God is now opening the doors and opening the the pathways if you will that all that are hungry and all that thirst for righteousness shall be filled Peter recognizes that he's a part of something bigger than himself and he says I I see it what is he doing he's assessing he's assessing his situation he's been being aware of his surroundings he's being aware of who he is dealing with he knows what the mindsets are he knows what's going on but watch this and while Peter was still speaking these words the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter now watch this let me finish that scripture Because they were astonished, all those that came with Peter were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify the Lord. Watch this. Now those that are of the circumcision are standing in in surroundings and circumstances, amen, and they still had that mindset. Remember, Peter said, it's unlawful for me to be in this house. Peter was still of the mindset when the Lord lowered down the sheet that, well, I can't eat or touch or do anything with all that unclean stuff and he has he has had his mindset fixed he's had his heart changed amen but he's got folks with him that still believe and think like he used to think watch Peter is still assessing his surroundings and his circumstances and those that he is with now he's helped Cornelius in his house because now they're filled with the spirit just like those of the circumcision were filled with the Spirit, amen? And it says that those that were with Peter were blown away by what just happened. They were astonished because they were like, hey, we're Jews, we're of the circumcision, and now the Gentiles or the unclean, amen, have received the gift of the Holy Ghost just like we did. And so Peter says this, so who among you, praise God, let me read it, then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Watch. Peter is now not only teaching and ministering to Cornelius in his house, but he is aware that he's with a group of people, Pastor, that need a heart change and a mind change, amen, to know that that this thing has opened up to whosoever will, that they're not going to just look like us. They're not going to just sound like us. They're not going to be like us. They're not going to talk like us. They're not going to completely believe like us. God is pouring his spirit out. And so he turns to them and says, Which one of you can forbid that they be baptized, knowing that they were just filled with the same spirit that you are? Isn't that awesome? How Peter was assessing and feeling after all of those attitudes and mindsets that he was dealing with. And because he was prayerful, because he went into it with a word from the Lord, amen. Because he got up that morning and traveled knowing wherever I end up, God is going to use me. And so he kept himself open, amen, for the ministry of the Spirit of God. 
Amen. How many's ever had an experience like that? Now, here's, here's where I'm being different. Here's where I'm being different. Because, you know, Pastor, we have those folks that come in, and I believe I'm a man of faith. I, I, I've operated in the gifts of the Spirit. I've seen great healings. I've seen miracles. I've seen some rotten, dirty people get the Holy Ghost. Amen. I, I'm one of them. I've seen a lot of things in my ministry. Amen. But here's kind of where I'm coming at you different. I'm coming to you with practical evangelism. I'm talking about everyday stuff. This is stuff that can happen when you're standing in the front yard talking to the neighbor. This is stuff when you're walking down the dairy aisle trying to pick out what what percent milk you want amen you're going to bump into somebody that is now now what we see sometimes is we see those that come in and they'll talk about evangelism they'll talk about winning the lost and they'll tell those stories about when they were at Denny's amen and the waitress began to cry and said she felt the Holy Ghost and so they noticed that the drainage ditch outside had all kinds of water in it so they went out there and baptized the waitress in the drainage ditch amen and while they were doing that some man slithered up to the side of the drainage ditch and was full of the devil and so they cast the devil out of him and he talked into tongues and then he ran home and got his ten family members and brought them and the Baptist church on the corner saw what happened and they all got filled with the Holy Ghost and we're sitting there with our minds blown going I want to reach people I want to do something great and then we walk out the front door and we go man I don't know if I'm ready for all that anybody do that Anybody ever, you, they preach something like that and they hear about something that happened in a restaurant, you go, well, you know what? We're going to go to a restaurant after church tonight. And we, we, when, when we get there, what is God going to do? And then we get there and, and we end up chewing tums afterwards because we got heartburn. I'm just being real. I'm just being practical. See, what we need, because we live in this community, amen, what we need to know is can God do those great big uh, monumental miraculous things absolutely and he does and when those preachers tell those stories I believe every word of it amen I don't believe that they're making it up I believe, I believe every single word I've seen God do some pretty big things amen when I'm witnessing to folks amen but let me tell you something there are times when you're going to have to settle for just 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 kind of evaluating or assessing your surroundings and realizing you know what I got about 10 minutes this person's talking to me about cancer I'm going to have to just let them know that we had a lady in our church that was touched by cancer amen my father-in-law amen did this at, at, at Pappas Toyota he was in there and getting his car worked on amen and the guy that was telling him about what was wrong with his car began to talk about his dad that was affected by cancer and he didn't have very long to live and the doctors were running tests and so my father-in-law reached in his pocket or, or maybe my mother-in-law her purse and they pulled out a prayer cloth and they handed him a prayer cloth and said we're going to be praying for your dad amen and he gave him his phone number and that was it Two weeks later, the man goes out of his way to call my father-in-law and said, the test came back. The cancer is gone. There's no chemo, no radiation. My dad has been healed, and the man was crying on the other end of the line, and they still communicate every time my father-in-law walks in Pappas, amen. We've got to have those moments where we may not see them coming, but because we're prayerful, because we're sensitive, because we're assessing every situation, and we're open to it, amen we got to stop being in such a hurry that we don't want to touch anybody's life can I get an amen sometimes we might have to put the milk back in the cooler and spend 10 minutes with somebody amen that's okay to do that can I get an amen Wednesday night wave amen I could tell you a, a lot of examples but I need I need to keep moving I'm still just on assess I could tell you examples I, I try literally each 
and every, my wife knows, I try literally each and every day. If you get locked in an elevator with me, I, I'm going to pay attention. If you got a cast on your foot, if you got a patch on your eye, if you got a limp in your step, I'm going to try and tell you something. Jesus heals. God delivers. If I see somebody that looks like they're strung out on drugs, I, if I see somebody in a warehouse that says they're going through a divorce, <laughs> amen, if I'm sitting, uh, getting, I, just recently I was getting Medtronic uh, insulin pump training and it was taking forever for stuff to download and upload on the computer and the trainer that was talking to me began to tell me about her family, how messed up and dysfunctional they are, she just began to pour out her life story right there in front of me, amen, not knowing me, not knowing who any more than my name, amen, and I began to tell her how my family was dysfunctional and how my family has been broken up, and I began to tell her that God can use you. If nothing else, maybe he won't put your family back together. Maybe he will, but if nothing else, he has taught you what kind of mother not to be, and he has taught you what you ought to do in your life, amen, and I began to talk to that lady and minister to that lady. You know why? Because she needs needed a word from the Lord she needed the ministry of the spirit amen can I get an amen I live this life every day and I'm not telling these stories to honk my own horn amen I'm, uh, these are just the stories I know because they happen I live the life every day in front of co-workers sometimes seven eight nine ten years go by and nothing happens amen but just recently I showed pastor the text message just recently, a man that has that I work with that has no interest whatsoever in coming to church found out that his niece lives in the O'Fallon area, and he told her, "You ought to go to my coworker's church and go there. You'd probably you'd you'd get along with him. He's real. He's a Christian. You you'd, you'd probably like them folks." And she said, "You know what? Where was that church?" He told her where it was at. She said, "I was just there last Sunday night." She's already been here. And she said, I'm just going to accept that. I showed you the text, didn't I, Pastor? She said, I'm just going to accept that as a confirmation from God that that's where I need to be. I'm talking about practical evangelism. I'm just talking about living this life every single day. Amen. I'm talking about pull, pulling our eyes up out of our situation, our circumstance, and getting them out of uh, this life and this, this stuff that happens here on earth, amen, and get our eyes on those that are around us and their situations and what they are going through. Can I tell you that there are people out there that are hungry and they're hurting and they're lonely and they're reaching and they're searching, amen, and if we will be sensitive and we will pray, amen, we will not accidentally or coincidentally bump into them. We will be led by the Spirit of God to minister to them. Can I get an amen? Offer. Let's go to number two. Let me. <laughs> Some of you are panicking. You're like, man, he's just on number two. <laughs> I promise I won't, I won't, I'll, I'll be respectful. Do you know and do you believe that we do have something to offer, folks? Can I please get a Wednesday night amen on that? You know, when I see people that are hooked on drugs, that don't intimidate me. I hear folks going through divorce, that doesn't intimidate me. I hear folks are homosexual, that doesn't intimidate me. I know at least three people that are formerly homosexual. God has delivered them, and they live for God today. That doesn't intimidate me. We have something to offer this lost and dark and hurting world. Can I get an amen? We have something to offer them, and so we've got to offer it to them. Now, Brother Hobson mentioned this, that, that there are natural times that we have here in the altars, amen, where, where we're here in church. How many remember when he said there are just those natural times when we're in church and folks are here with us 
Amen. And we have times where we can offer them a Bible study or we have times where we can offer them. Let me let me show you how complicated what he is saying is. Brother Steve was in church for about three or four weeks. He received the gift of the Holy Ghost. He was baptized in Jesus' name. Maybe six or seven weeks went by, Brother Steve. And, and, and one day, I was standing up here at the altar talking to him. And I said, Steve, have you had a Bible study yet? And he said, no. I said, would you like one? He said, yes. That's tough. Those are the experiences that Brother Hobson is talking about. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, Sister Sharon Smith's uh, daughter-in-law was sitting back there next to her, and I just happened to be walking down the center aisle. She just happened to be coming around the corner. She's been coming here, what, about a year, maybe a little longer, Sister Sharon? A little longer than a year. She's been coming here, been here faithful, man, Faith, more faithful than some of us, amen. And she was coming around that corner. I was coming down the aisle. I said, Sister Amber, you ever had a Bible study yet? She said, no. And she said, but I've really been wanting one because I started reading the Bible, and I just kind of gave up because I wasn't sure where to start or what to do, amen. And so I said, well, would you like a Bible study? She said, yes. Amen. That's just practical stuff. That's not lightning flash and thunder rolling and, and, and somebody preach and we get this weeping, crying, bent over burden and we get up out of the altars and we got to go find somebody that miraculously, no, folks are all around us that want to hear God's word. They want to learn God's word. They want to be closer to him. They want to know his ways. They, wanna, they, wanna, they do want to live holy. They do want to live separate. They do want to be different. They do want a higher lifestyle, amen, than they've ever experienced. When they walk in here, I'm just going to preach for just about two minutes and then I'll pick back up but when they walk in here there's a difference in the apostolic truth believing Bible preaching apostolic Holy Ghost Jesus name baptism amen praise God church there's a difference in us than the church that's down the road if they want smoke machines and entertainment and somebody make them feel good and there's no goosebumps no change no transformation they got all kinds of opportunities but when they walk in this house hallelujah Jesus said my house ought to be called a house of prayer when they walk in here there ought to be a depth in the spirit of God that they feel that they experience that rubs off on them that when they walk out of here whether they talk in tongues or they go down in water when they walk out of here there ought to be a change something that alters in their life and their mind and their spirit amen that everywhere they go they see and hear and smell and taste things differently than the one time they visited and apostolic church if we're not that amen then we're false advertisement because when they come here that's what they expect folks have heard about the united pentecostal church folks have heard about the apostolic doctrine we're not hidden a corner anymore we're not on the other side of the tracks anymore we're not hiding uh, in, in the corners and, and and ducking and dodging and hope nobody thinks that we're snake handlers we're not, nobody they understand who we are anymore they know that when we come when they come here our hands are going to be lifted we're going to be singing we're going to be shouting we're going to be talking in tongues we're going to end up in an altar call we might end up weeping there might be a tongues and interpretation they know it when they get here and they're just disappointed if we fool them and don't provide that did I get an amen so we have something to offer them amen we also amen have those natural daily opportunities and can I say sister Sorrell's responsibilities that come daily outside the four walls of this building can I get an amen second Corinthians says this 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you have it, you can join me, or otherwise I think the guys will have it. Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. 
You know what that means right there? Paul is saying, folks know that you're part of us because they can see how you act. Can I just put it, can I put that in the Keith J version? That they know who you are because we have taught you, amen. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, watch this, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. You are known to be my converts by general knowledge, is what he is saying, amen. You are known, You just they just know in general because somebody has told them that you are my converts, amen. He said, but then you are known more specifically, amen, because of the doctrine that I have put in your life. I wish I could get an amen. They're, they're, they know that we're Pentecostal, Sister Stacy. They know that we're apostolic because they've seen us. That's, that's why when, when you first meet them, one of the first questions they'll ask you is, oh, are you the church where they all wear skirts? Are you the church where they all have long hair? Are you the church this? Are you the church that? They, they have a general knowledge of us, amen. But then they are going to know us more specifically when they get to know us because there ought to be a doctrine that's not written on stone, not written in tablets, amen, but written in our hearts, amen. It's in our life. It's ingrained in us. Remember when I said, uh, David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee? Watch this. And the Lord gave me this a while back, and I've said it here before. Pastor, you probably heard me say it ten times. David wasn't talking about taking jewels and hiding them in a safe. He was talking about taking the seed of the word and planting it in the ground, the fertile ground of his heart, so that it would bring forth fruit. Amen? Thy word have I hid in my heart. Paul was saying they know you in general because they've heard about you, but then they'll know specifically because of the doctrine and the lifestyle and the way you live and the way you talk and the way you are. Amen. He said the handwriting, what he's saying is the handwriting, amen, is, is recognized first. You know what that means? If, if I come home and one of my kids or my wife writes a letter to me, a note, and they leave it on the counter, I will recognize automatically that that's my wife's handwriting. Right? And then, because it's my wife's handwriting, I know and I am compelled to read that letter. Amen? He said, we are the... We are the, the, the apostles of Christ we are the disciples of Christ we are ambassadors we are written epistles read known of all men you know what that means when they recognize the handwriting can I get an amen when they recognize the handwriting of God when they recognize his hand is in our life when they see that there's a difference in you and I watch this they get intrigued and compelled to go a little deeper and find out what that's about wish I could get an amen the world amen the eye of the world takes in a whole lot more than the ear there is not so powerful a sermon than a consistent life can I get an amen you don't have to say anything but you can preach a powerful powerful sermon Every day, everywhere, to everyone, by simply living this life consistently. Wish I could get an amen. Teach, number three, teach. Praise God. 
One thing we've got to recognize is the message never change, changes, praise God, but sometimes the methods have to. Brother Jack Cunningham said that in one of his books. The message doesn't change. We're not going to change the gospel message, amen. We're not going to change the fact that you've got to be holy and separate. We're not going to change the fact that you've got to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, that ye shall receive and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the gospel message. That's what Jesus died for. That's what we believe. That's what we preach. But amen, there are things that we did in the 60s that aren't going to work in 2017. There might be something that you did yesterday with somebody that won't work today with somebody. Somebody else, praise God. The message stays the same, but be willing to use and change your methods. Can I get an amen? When you're trying to teach and reach people, amen, you've got to understand, praise God, that there, I should have brought a hanky with me, that you can, that, that you can understand, praise God, that there are going to be different situations and circumstances, praise the Lord, that you're going to have to, you're going to, have to mold and move and change the way you approach somebody. Can I get an Amen. Give me just a minute. Praise the Lord. Great insulation up here. I read a book last year. I've read more than one book, but I was waiting. I was just waiting. Where's Brother Ron must not be here. He would have fired right off on that one. I read a book last year called The Last Christian generation. In fact, our youth minister tonight has that book because I was influenced by it. But let me just give you the overall. If you want to read the book, it's a good book. It'll help you. It'll help you um, when you're trying to deal in this in this uh, uh, in this era that we live in, this generation that we are facing. Because you know, we can talk about the millennials all that we want. Amen. That it's it's not just a millennial attitude anymore. It has bled into you know young adults. It's bled into middle-aged folks. There there are mindsets and attitudes that we face in society now that have bled all across the the spectrum. Amen. It's not it's not a millennial thing anymore. It's a generational thing that we're facing. So it helps us to understand when we are teaching and we're trying to reach someone with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in this book. It was highlighting that this generation that we live in, they, they use the same terminology that you and I do. They use the word redemption. They use the word transformation. They use the word salvation. They use the word separate. They use the word holy. They use the word love. But watch this. Brother Don, this, this will help you in your junior high and the stuff that you're dealing with. Amen. We, we don't even recognize. We, we can't even see it because it's one of those things, Brother Buford, that, that is a mindset that we, it's not everybody don't wear it on their sleeve or a message written on their head but we've got to know that this generation does not define words the same way that we do they don't define for example let me use the word love they don't define the word love a biblical I'm talking about a biblical Christian love they don't define that even in Christian churches in this generation they don't define it the same way we know that love is an action pastor we know that love is intentional and that's really what I'm getting at with these four points is being intentional we know that love is something that you do deliberate it's something that you do intentional I love my kids unconditionally nothing will change that love but if if my son goes out and knocks over a gas station and robs them at gunpoint I cannot tolerate that behavior can I get an amen 
I love him just the same. But there is behavior that's involved. But see, they don't define love like that. The, the world in this generation and society now says, you've got to love folks no matter what. And that's true, you do have to love them. But see, they are defining love differently than we are. We understand that, that God loves every sinner, but he hates sin. They are starting to believe that God loves sinners and tolerates sin. I wish I could get an amen. If you're teaching a class, if you're teaching a Bible study, if you're standing in a Home Depot trying to, trying to relate something to somebody, you had better understand that that person that you're talking to may have already been to a church of false doctrine. They may have already sat under somebody, a man that has warped their thinking, a man, and it's not a biblical thinking. They may use, Sister Buford, biblical terms, biblical words, biblical precepts and principles, but they've got entirely different definitions than what you and I have. It's important to know that when you're teaching, we now cannot just relay knowledge and experience to folks. We've got to get back to defining the definitions of what is true redemption, what is true transformation, what is true biblical Christian love. Amen? What is true separation? What is holiness? What is truth? This world believes that if you believe it, it's the truth. Because it's your version of truth. So we have to recognize that when somebody says, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I, you know, I was baptized when I was, I was 16. And I, you know, I, I go to such and such church and I, I do this and I do that. And, you know, God just loves everybody and I just believe and I'm saved. We have got to help them define, define what is truth because there is a truth. The Bible would not mention or, 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 or designate that there is a truth if there was just a, a, a generality. Amen. If it was just a all roads lead to heaven, then why call it truth? I thought I was in, I thought I was at Lighthouse. Somebody sliding the window open. I need to see the sign. This is just the assistant pastor. It's just me. <laughs> it's just me. Praise God. We have got to define things. Amen. There are so many examples, praise God, in this generation and in our society, praise the Lord, where they, they believe, they're believers, they define, they use the same words, amen, but they just don't share the definition. And when you start trying to, to relate to your teenager or relate to your young adult or relate to your new convert, amen, that they've got to tell people that say they believe thus and so. You, and, and when you begin to tell them, if you're not careful, if you don't get it early, if you begin to tell them, well, you need to tell so-and-so, that's not exactly, that's not the end of the salvation story. They'll go, and there, there are examples in that book, Brother Justin, where, where they they where young people and, and millennials and young adults threw their hands up and said, well, 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 who am I to tell them? Who am I to tell them that, that they're wrong? Or who am I to tell them that that's not right? Amen. Let me tell you who you are. You are a written epistle known and read of all men. You are an ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Paul said, when he was at, at Mars Hill, amen, and that he saw the, the written on there to the unknown God, he said, wait a minute, folks. Wait, wait, wait. 
wait, 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 wait. Put the brakes on. Pump the brakes. There is a gospel. When he come across them folks, when the disciples come across them folks that said, well, we've been baptized under John's baptism. They said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's pump the brakes for a second. There is a way, hallelujah, that is the truth in the gospel. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You've got to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You've got to do that with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You know why? Because the Bible says so, and the Bible is the truth, and the gospel is that. It's the gospel. It's not being mean. Does that sound mean? Well, that brings me to my next point, love. Amen? If you love somebody, we said that's intentional, that's an action. If you love somebody, you tell them the truth. Amen? <laughs> Amen. I can't just tell my kids when they come up, you know, when they were little, well, Daddy, if I touch the stove, will it burn me? Well, well, well honey, hold on. Who am I to tell you that the stove will burn you? It only burns some folks. But some folks can take it. Come on, man. I love them. So I say, no, honey, stay away from the stove. Hallelujah. We, would we go down a street? Now, I'm getting off. I'm going to off, so I'm gonna end this at 845. But we would not go down the street and see a house burning and on fire. Amen. And think to ourselves, well, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And I don't want to wake anybody up. That would be rude. So, house is on fire. That wouldn't be love. We'd let them burn up. What we would do is we would be rude and we'd be obnoxious and we'd be loud. Now, I'm not saying when you're a pastor. Just, just prophesy right now. You give the tongues, I'll give the interpretation. Do not go out with the gospel. I'm, I'm, I'm my analogy, see, I didn't teach in parables, amen? There's a reason for that. Do not go out and be rude and obnoxious when you're, when you're teaching the gospel. What I'm getting at is we would do and say and act however we needed to to save that life from a burning fire. Wouldn't we? Wouldn't you break windows? Wouldn't you kick down doors? Wouldn't you dial 911? Wouldn't you call a friend? Wouldn't you holler at a neighbor? Wouldn't you bang on the door? Wouldn't you do whatever you have to? We have got to recognize that in this community, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our places of recreation, people are on their way to a burning hell. That's not being mean. That's not being obnoxious. That's being biblical. There is a place to gain and there is a place to shun. The place that we want to gain is heaven. The place that we want to shun is hell hallelujah we've got to let them know where they're headed and once they realize that they're not headed in the right place we've got to say there is a narrow way there is a path there is a difference there is a transformation there is a love an unconditional love hallelujah but it's not going to be tolerant of your sins it's going to wash them away why would we tolerate somebody's sins when we know how to wash them away Oh, hallelujah. Number four, love. Well, I need to get going. Just give me a couple of 15 minutes. 
<laughs> I'm almost done, I promise. That makes you feel better. I want you to look at John 3.16. Guys, will you put that up for me, please? John 3.16, we're talking about love. Now watch this. John 3.16 is how we receive the love of God, okay? Say receive. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When he gave his son, when Christ died on the cross and he laid down his life, we received the love of God. Can I get an amen? 1 John 3.16, watch this. This is how we perceive, perceive the love of God. Watch, 1 John 3.16-18. 3:18. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Watch this. He's about to tell you how you perceive the love of God. And he said, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Watch this. We all think that we take up our cross and we lay down our life for Christ. That's not why we do it. We lay down our life and we take up our cross, amen, because we, we have uh, uh, partaken in the gospel experience of salvation, a biblical truth, amen. And so when we take up that cross, when we lay down our life, we're doing it for the brethren, not folks that are saved, hallelujah. We're doing it for folks that are unsaved. How many know everybody's God's children? Okay, good, good. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We were talking about the action here earlier. When we're in the grocery store, when we're at Home Depot, when we're at Bass Pro, when we're at places of recreation, when we're at the restaurant, we've got to love in deed and in truth. That's how they will eventually receive the love of God when they perceive the love of God in us because we lay down our lives. What does that mean? We take time for them. The groceries can wait. The, the, the job can wait. The family can, can just wait for you for a few more minutes. Take time with people. Can I get an amen? John 13, verses 34 and 35. This is Jesus himself speaking. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Did you hear that? As I have loved you that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another how are they going to know that we're disciples because we have love to one another that's not just inside these four walls they've got to see us loving one another the lost, the happy the sad, the poor, the rich, the black the white, every race every creed, every language every nationality can I get an amen? I feel like, in my spirit, one of the greatest hurdles that we face in the church today, just in general, is that we really want to stay inside a circle that looks like us, sounds like us, acts like us. Amen? It's one of the hurdles that we face. Maybe not everybody. 
and I'm speaking in general, not just Lighthouse, but, but we want everybody to immediately assimilate to look just like us, act just like us, sound like us, believe like us. Amen. But that's a process. Sometimes it's a long process. Sometimes it's a long process. I want to give you an example, amen, that this has to be done. I'm, I'm right on time, right on schedule. Galatians chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. Follow me here, please. 11 through 16. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. Watch this. I'm going to teach you something tonight right here. This is Paul saying, when I got to Antioch, I confronted Peter face to face. There was a confrontation there. Yeah. Great Peter and Paul. Amen. He said, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. He's saying he was wrong. For before certain men, for before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and, and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by works, by the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even when we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. Amen. What he was saying was, Peter, when you are in a room and you're, 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 you're fellowshipping or you're reaching Gentiles, amen, and then all of a sudden the Jews come in that are of the circumcision, you get up from the table of the Gentiles and you go over and you sit down with those that are of the circumcision. You know why? Because Peter was being a hypocrite. That's what, that's what Paul said. Peter said, and there were others that were involved in that hypocrisy with you, and he confronted him and he said, you know what he was saying? saying pastor he was saying not you you've got to be uh, uh I don't want to say accepting but you've got to be willing to be seen with and reaching and sitting with and supping with hallelujah folks that don't look exactly like you oh hallelujah praise the Lord here's 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 one of the problems and this is where we'll we'll end why don't we stand to our feet I want us to end, we're going to end with a pretty, a pretty simple time of prayer. I feel like, how many feel like everything that I just taught tonight is attainable? How many felt like it was simple? Because I feel like it's pretty simple. I feel like you get up in the morning and you say, Lord, somewhere today lead me to somebody. Papa Tom, Tom Harding, I call him Papa Tom. Papa Tom back there, he and I were having this conversation about a week ago, and I had mentioned the James Littles, where James Littles said we got to be sensitive to the folks that are in the room with us. Papa Tom reaches in his, in his, in his pocket, and he pulls out his phone. Tom, can, you, can, can we hear you from back there? Can you tell me what that says at the top of your list exactly so I don't get it wrong? He's got lists 
Like if he's going to go to the grocery store or Home Depot and he makes a list, the top of his list is this. Go ahead, Tom. That's pretty simple. That ought to be at the top of every one of our lists. Tom didn't put that on his list because he knew I was teaching this. That's a list that he has made consistently and constantly. And he knows when I'm going somewhere, folks aren't going to look like me. They're not going to talk like me. They're not going to believe like me. But I've got to be aware of the needs that are there with me. Here's one of the things that I think that we face. Can I be real and just and just be me for a minute? One of my hobbies and one of the things that I love, most, most of you may not know this, but I like to fish. Can I just be honest with you? If I want to go fishing, I'll go by myself. Pastor knows that. We talk to each other all the time, and when our schedules can't come together, we still go fishing. We just don't go with each other. But if I want somebody to fish with, I can call, I can call Pastor, I can call Matthew, I can call Brother Bill. I got folks, I got folks that I fish with. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just being real. Can I, can I do that for just a minute? I'm not really looking for any new friends. I'm not need in need of any new fishing buddies. I'm not in need of anybody else that I know that does construction type. I'm not in need of these things. Okay? So sometimes we become complacent because reaching somebody might require building a relationship. No, let me back up. Not might require. It's going to require building a relationship. See, part of the assessing your surroundings and assessing the person that you're with is kind of recognizing the kinds of things that they're into or that they like or that they've experienced or that they want to do. And if you can connect with that because God isn't going God is not going to send me to minister to a rocket scientist I'm just going to be real with you if if, 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 if if he sends me to somebody like brother Justin that's just an intellectual giant among men <laughs> we're going to have a conversation like this We're going to be led of the Spirit. God is going to lead us to people that we can relate to, that we can touch, that we can have a common ground with, that we have some things in common with. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. So what happens is sometimes we get comfortable with our circle. And it's uncomfortable to invite somebody into that circle, right? Can I just give me a Wednesday night real nod? Sometimes it's uncomfortable to to win somebody and build a relationship with them and, and bring them into our circle because we don't want to interrupt the circle we're so busy you know with life and caught up in this world and this life and, and all the things that we do it's, it's almost frightening to us to think that we might have to take 20 minutes a week to teach a bible to somebody bible study to somebody or spend some time with them or maybe we're going fishing on Saturday morning and we have to invite them to one of our secret spots I'm being real now, ain't I? We've got some hurdles to get over, and they're in our heart. And they're in our mind, amen? God, I want you to close your eyes right now, church. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to open your heart. 
I want you to begin to let the love of God minister to your heart right now. I'm going to take just a few minutes. I promise I'm not going to take all night on this, but I really need you to close your eyes. I really need you to open your heart. I really need you to let the hand and the heartbeat and the love of God begin to soften your heart right now and slow down your life, slow down your thinking, slow down your schedule. God, open my mind, open my heart, make me sensitive to your spirit. Make me aware, God, of those that are around me that are hurting God, I don't have to spend all day with them. God, I may never see them again after that moment, but oh, Lord Jesus, oh, Lord Jesus, let me touch them by your spirit. Let me be used. Work through me. Work in me. Work for me, God. Use me, God, as a vessel, Lord Jesus, to be a light in this dark world, to reach a generation and a society, oh, God, that has folded their arms, praise the Lord, and rejected you, God, and they've, they've, they've turned a deaf ear to you. Oh, God, let me re recognize what people are going through. Let me be sensitive, oh, God. Pray this, church. Send me, God. Send me, God. Send me into my family. Send me into my workplace. Send me into my school. Send me into this community, God. And let me win the lost. Let me preach your gospel. Let me show them the truth, oh Lord. God, I'm not an intellectual, Lord. Lord, I'm not a theologian, God. I don't have it all figured out, oh Lord. But somehow let an experience or a testimony of mine touch and influence them. And let me introduce them to you. Would you begin to just pray? Would you begin to lift your hands? Would you just begin to thank God?